Have you ever had one of those moments where you wonder if the occupational therapy you are providing is making any difference? Unfortunately, there is a harsh reality where there are times when research tells us that OT simply does not help. That when we compare clients in therapy to those who receive no therapy, the outcomes are unfortunately the same. This is hard to swallow because honestly, it just feels like a major fail and almost like a personal attack. But I would argue that research like this is also essential to our growth as occupational therapy practitioners. And only by sitting with this research and confronting it head on will we grow into the clinicians that our patients need us to be. So buckle up because we are looking at one such article today. Welcome to the OT Potential Podcast, where each week we discuss one influential OT-related journal article. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Lyon, OTRL, and this week we are looking at the journal article, Physiotherapy and Occupational Therapy versus No Therapy and Mild to Moderate Parkinson's Disease. This article comes to us from the Journal of JAMA Neurology. It was published in 2016, and it is ranked 42nd on our list of the 50 most influential OOT-related journal articles. Now, Parkinson's disease is one of our most talked about diagnoses on the podcast. Parkinson's disease and therapy is a hot topic right now because, as we've discussed in previous episodes, there is a lot of promise behind exercise for these patients because it induces something called exercise-based neuroplasticity. If this is a new concept to you, I highly recommend that you go back and listen to some of our previous episodes on Parkinson's disease because I think anyone who treats patients with Parkinson's disease needs to be aware of this new research. But in the article we are looking at today, we are looking at the age-old question, is any therapy better than no therapy? And the answer appears to be probably not. In this large-scale randomized controlled trial, we find that patients with mild to moderate Parkinson's disease did not show immediate or medium-term benefits from low-dose, patient-centered, goal-directed OT and PT. Now, as occupational therapy practitioners, we have a lot to learn from this article. First, it pushes us to make sure we are delivering evidence-based treatments to our clients, which is why I brought up exercise-based neuroplasticity right away, because we'll see in this article that that was lacking from the treatments that were provided. And second, it drives home the point that the standard operating language that many of us use, such as patient demonstrates functional deficits and therefore needs OT, is simply not strong enough as a standalone argument for justifying our services. So let's dive into the specifics of this article and then we'll circle back to some of these big picture ideas. So as I mentioned before, this was a large scale randomized control trial. The study included 762 patients with mild to moderate Parkinson's disease. The mean age of these patients was 70 years old, and the patients were recruited from 38 sites across the United Kingdom. All patients had self-identified or caregiver-identified limitations in their ADLs. These patients were randomly assigned to a group that received PT and OT, 
and a control group that received no therapy. PT and OT were delivered in the community or the outpatient setting. Before the trial, a framework for therapy content was developed and agreed upon by expert therapist work groups. And after initial assessments by the therapists who were delivering these treatments, therapy was delivered to the individual patient using a patient-centered joint goal-setting approach. Now, as we dig into the details of these sessions, I think you will pretty quickly see why this therapy did not work for these patients. First off, the median number of sessions of OT and PT combined was just four sessions. So we're talking really low frequency here. The mean time per session was 58 minutes and the mean duration of therapy was eight weeks. So you're basically looking at one therapy session every two weeks, which again is a very low frequency. I'll refer you to the article for what the physical therapy looked like for these patients, but the occupational therapy logs showed that the most frequent interventions were for transfers, dressing and grooming, sleep and fatigue, indoor mobility, household tasks, and other environmental issues. The authors made a point of noting what was not included in these sessions. First, only three PTs provided Parkinson's disease-specific exercise, and there was no formal exercise progression protocol for any patient in this giant study. And second, the interventions from OT were focused on equipment provision, onward referral, and other advice such as related to sleep hygiene there was little task-related practice done in these occupational therapy sessions. In the club, I'll make a list of the assessments that were used to track progress for these patients, and the list definitely correlates with the other Parkinson's disease research that we have seen. But let's really quickly just look at the results of this study. There was definitely some complexity and nuance to the results, for example, on some of the secondary outcome measures, some of the therapy patients did get just a tiny bit better, but not really enough to call it really clinically significant. But unfortunately, on the major scale, the patients in therapy actually got just slightly a little bit worse, not enough to call it clinically significant, but overall just did not look good for therapy. Um, so overall, the outcomes from this study were pretty grim, leading the authors to conclude that this evidence does not support the use of low-dose, goal-directed PT and OT in the early stages of Parkinson's disease. So what were my personal takeaways from this research for occupational therapy practitioners? Again, these takeaways are my own personal musings. They were not mentioned directly in the research, and they're really meant to serve as a discussion starter and just to get your wheels turning about this research. My first takeaway is that we should probably banish from our mind the idea that any therapy is better than no therapy. As occupational therapists, we need to recognize that we probably have a bias as to the efficacy of the therapy that we are providing. This bias can lead us to believe that all of the therapy we provide is beneficial, especially if it is patient-centered and goal-oriented. But in reality, like happens in all health professions, we have historically provided treatment that probably did not benefit our patients in the ways that we would hope. The good news is that when we have the courage to recognize this, it can push us to needed innovation. 
My second takeaway is that I could feel the author's shock about the kind of therapy that was being delivered. Now, maybe I'm reading into the dry journal style writing, but from what I can gather, the author seemed pretty surprised at the kind of therapy that was being provided. Or more importantly, what wasn't being provided in this therapy. I felt like they went out of their way to drive home the serious lack of focus on exercise. The guidelines for Parkinson's disease therapy that we have looked at previously told us that exercise should be the foundation of all Parkinson's therapy because of the promise of exercise-based neuroplasticity. And as to the OT that was provided, the most used interventions all put the patient in a passive role where they were receiving equipment or referrals or advice. And this passive posture is honestly just a terrible posture for behavior change. We know that from looking at previous research in the club, that the best way to drive behavior change is through active practice where there's trial and error happening. And it just looks like this was not really happening in the therapy that was provided. And honestly, this article just really drives home that having patient-centered goals in itself is not sufficient. If we are not setting our clients up to actually modify their habits and behavior, we probably are not making the impact that we hope to in therapy. And my third and final takeaway is that when we are justifying why therapy is needed, we need to be getting specific. It is good to note that this article appeared in the Neurology Journal of the American Medical Association. So the intended audience is neurologists and probably some general practice doctors. And assuming that they are reading this research, it is really up to us to get specific about the new evidence that has come out about Parkinson's disease therapy and what we are doing differently to help our patients. It is also good to consider that payers may also be weighing evidence like this when it comes to reimbursements. So it's really important to get specific about the type of therapy we are providing. The age-old occupational therapy documentation line needs therapy for functional deficits rightfully probably just won't cut it in the future because of research like this. But again, it is so good to be looking at this research because it really pushes us to get specific about the therapy that we are providing and to make sure that the therapy we are providing aligns with the best evidence at the time so we are providing the best care possible to our patients. Okay, that is all that I have for you today specific to this article. I hope you don't feel down or disheartened after looking at this research because like I said in the beginning, I really actually feel optimistic about it. I think that research like this really pushes us to grow into the practitioners that our patients need us to be. And I really look forward to discussing this evidence with you in the online version of this journal club, which is called the OT Potential Club. In the club, we are building a database of all the research we have looked at for you to reference when you need it. So please consider signing up or signing in at otpotential.com club. And lastly, being that this podcast will come out right before Cyber Monday, I wanted to let you know that one of our close partners has extended a special bonus to OT Potential Club members. MedBridge Education, which provides online CEUs, has been an ongoing partner of OT Potential for years. And on our website, you can always find a promo code for the lowest price on MedBridge. 
But for members of the club, if you act by the end of the day on December 2nd, you will get the lowest price on MedBridge and also be entered into a drawing to receive an iPhone 11. All you have to do to enter is to use the promo code OTPHONE when you check out. That's OTPHONE all is kind of one word and it doesn't matter whether it's uppercase or lowercase. So if you were already thinking about MedBridge for your CEUs, I really encourage you to use this promo code. Thank you so much for joining us today and I hope this research helps you provide great care this week.